as a parent of a trans kiddo, you're going to be exposed to things that are going to catch you off guard. I don't know how many times when I look at, back on it right now, I'm laughing. But at the time, it really caught me off guard. And it was one of those times that I'm like, I, I need to breathe. I need to process this a little bit. But Lucas was already, like you said, two miles down the road. When you look at the kiddos, they want to so much that their bodies are the way they were born, but they want to identify so strongly as to the person they know they are inside. There's no one storyline that fits what it's like when your child comes out. Every kid is different. Every family is different. Sometimes trans kids come out when they're little. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes parents are on board from the get-go. Sometimes they aren't. When parents aren't necessarily on board from the get-go, or even when they are, it's really important to get support. No one prepares for the day their kid comes out as transgender, and calling in for backup can make rising to meet the moment just a little easier. And now don't get me wrong, it can be hard to ask for help. We, especially Americans, tend to hyper-romanticize the idea that we can and should do things on our own, but we just aren't meant to. Sometimes parents can reach a place of understanding on their own, but humans are hardwired for connection. And when we can get help, we're much more likely to thrive, and so are our kids. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host, Mackenzie Dunham. Leaning in and allowing people to support you through something like parenting your transgender child is incredibly vulnerable. Society tends to be rather harsh critics of parents. We tend to be rather harsh critics of ourselves as well. During our campfire talk today, we'll hear from brave mom, Laura. Laura realized that asking for help and showing up in community with other parents was more important than being judged. Through PFLAG and a therapeutic group of her parents of trans kids, Laura saw how other parents modeled compassion for their kids and for themselves. Laura will share about how her son Lucas came out and how she found the courage to make her way down the path of affirming and supporting him through love and connection with other parents going through something similar. As a reminder, all parent interviews are given with full consent and approval from their child and names are changed or avoided in order to maintain privacy. Laura, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today about your experience of parenting a trans boy. You have such a wonderful son, and I'm just so excited to get to talk with you about what your experience has been like. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So just tell me about where, like the first signs. I would love to know what, when you first, you and your family started to first go like, huh, that's not like his sister. You know, with Lucas, I think it progressed over the years. And as we look back on it, there was probably signs that we missed. But when I go back, you know, I think to about when he was six or seven, he didn't want to wear any girls' shirts. He wanted to wear all the boys' shirts, all the, the gaming shirts, the really cool shirts that had dinosaurs on them or Minecraft or Angry Birds. He was just so into those. He didn't want to play with dolls. He just really, he just really wanted to, to be with the boys. And he had boys as best friends. He didn't relate that strongly with the girls in his class. He always wanted to hang out with the boys. And I remember one Christmas time, he may have been about seven, and we were in JCPenney's. 
and we were going by the boys shop and he saw a suit jacket and he wanted to try it on so bad. So we let him mm. try it on. And of course I'm looking for a frilly dress for him to wear for the family portraits. Mm. And he wants to put on this suit and he was so excited to put on this, this suit, this jacket for the suit. And, you know, he wanted it so bad. And I'm like, no. And I, cause he liked to play dress up. So I always thought it was just kind of like a dress up thing. But, you know, when we look back on it, that was Lucas trying to tell us that, hey, I really like this. Not too keen yeah. on the dresses, but really like this. Mm-hmm. And I think it just it just kind of progressed as the years went on and just littler things. He started wearing his hair shorter. It's like, I think right before we went into the therapy counseling with you, he wanted his, well, he had his hair cut short and he came to me the summer before and, and was saying that he really think that he liked girls and that he thought he was a lesbian and would I be okay with that? Mm-hmm. And, and I told him, I said, I would be okay. I would, I would love anyone that he loved. And I was wonderful with it. And I really appreciated him coming out to me and telling me that, but it kind of, that kind of started the whole family thinking a little bit. And then the next February, which was the February of um, well, last year, 2019, he was very open with my mom and um, his sister. So my mo- my mom came over to my house and she said, Lucas has something to share with you and you need to listen to him. So Lucas came and sat by me and told me that he really thought that he was a boy, that he was male, identified very strongly as male. And at this point, Lucas was 12 years old. And, you know, my mom, retired nurse, she's like, you know, there's only a, a short period to do certain things because he's he's entering puberty. So, you know, we need to react quickly. I started looking into any resources in the area and I I was introduced to PFLAG and through one of their newsletters, I was introduced to Mackenzie and her counseling options for teens. And then for a supportive counseling option for parents of teens that were identifying as trans. So that kind of put us to where we are, you know, where we were. And that's sort of when I, right when I met you all, I met you shortly thereafter that, right? You reached out and Lucas came to one of my groups and, and then you came to the parent group, I remember. Right. And, and I don't know if you remember, I like you were full and you said, okay, I can squeeze one more chair in. Uh-huh. So and it was the... so packed in that room. <laughs> it was. It was so hot. It's like, seriously, we were, you know, when you think about social distancing now, oh there my was God. none of that going on. That first group that we did, Laura, was so, like, it was hot. It was crowded. I don't, I don't think even I had a place to sit. I think I was standing like in the corner because I was so just dying to get all of you in the same room together. And you all hung in there. And it was so uncomfortable. And then the next week I got the air conditioning to work because that first week the air conditioning (laughs) didn't work. Oh man, it was a nightmare. But what a gift it turned out to be. It it was. I mean, it's like, I'm telling you the best, the best group of people you could ever want to be in a room with. You included Mackenzie. I mean, it was just, I mean, there was, there was so much love in that group for each other and for our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of love, 
lots of yeah. tears. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what you said to me the first, or not to me specifically, but to the group after week one, like when you came back on week two? Do you remember how you described it? No, I, I, I just, I really felt a connection. And I, I think that I was the newest member of that particular group with mm -hmm. Lucas identifying. Mm -hmm. And I know the, you know, the first, I think couple of weeks, I was still referring to him as she, her, and um, her, her given name, her birth name. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody else was kind of going, you know, moving forward with what Lucas wanted and, and using his correct pronouns. And um, you guys were so patient with me, but, you know, as I look back on it, you know, Lucas, Lucas is an incredible individual and he's a gift and he the really wrap is. on the gift has just changed just the wrap, mm. but the gift is still the same thing, but I just appreciate all your support. But I tell you, I think I was shell shocked for those first couple of weeks because just so many, so much information. I was in, on information overload. I was trying to take everything in and you were just all supportive and just, just great. And I don't, that is a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And I don't, <laughs> I don't remember when Lucas came, you know, wanted his, wanted um, a new name. Cause I remember at the beginning, I told Lucas that each month we would do something little, you know, something um, to move forward. Because, you know, he was on a, a warp speed path and I was oh, still yeah. trying to get on that path. So I was a little bit slower, but I wanted to make sure that he knew that I supported him. So we would do something different each month. And I think one of the months was, you know, he, he came to me at home and, and all the other kiddos had pretty much picked out their names that they wanted to be referred to. Mm -hmm. And Lucas didn't. And I remember he came to me one day at home and said, mom, will, will you be picking out my new name? And I said, well, you know, kiddo, you, you can pick out your name. I mean, you're 12 years old. All the other kiddos seem to be picking out their name. So what name do you want? And he looked at me, he said, well, mom, I want you to pick it out because you picked out my first name and I want you to pick out this new name for me. Mm. So it was a blessing that I got to choose his new name or to work with him on what name he wanted. So that's lovely. I was not actually aware that that's how Lucas got that's, his name. Yes. <laughs> that's so special. He really is such a special kid, you know, just so kind and warm. And I love how you say like the wrapping paper is really all that's changed. Mm -hmm. He is more himself now than he's ever been. He really is. And I think, you know, you bring up a, a great point, Mackenzie, because, you know, when you, when you, I mean, and I'll tell you, I was probably the slowest one to really get on the path that Lucas had chosen. I was, I really wanted to make sure it was sure. And I thought it was just a phase he was going through. And I was really like, okay, well, we'll do one thing. We'll do one thing. And, and I know I was going to say when you told, when you said, when you made the analogy of the path, and uh -huh. he was barreling down this path and you were like, and I was sort of like just barely getting on the path. I was like, you were sort of like standing at the sign going like, I don't think that's the right path. Yeah. And he was like two miles down the path being like, this is the path, mom, this is the path. And you're like, I'm sh I, is there a map? Because I don't think this is the path. 
<laughs> You're absolutely right because I was I thought it was a phase and I remember that first when the kiddos had their first group and I was out with the rest of the the parents and uh-huh. I'm like, "Oh, this is just a phase." This is and it's like and they were like, "Uh-huh." <laughs> <laughs> and they, they were so supportive because remember Mackenzie used to say that we had our own group you did. while we were waiting you had- for the kiddos. You had second you had second parent group while the kiddos yeah. were having their group. I loved it. Yeah, and it's like and then, you know, they were several of them were talking about testosterone and surgeries and what's you know, going to the PE at school. They were talking about PE at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just so much information just in a very relaxed setting and stuff. And I think probably I think probably maybe the third week I stopped calling Lucas by his by his birth name and yeah. I started trying to use Lucas and trying to use the correct pronouns but he is he is just you know he was always an easygoing kid just you know really kind easygoing kid but he always felt like he had a secret or something kind of hidden and he doesn't have that now and he just radiates now he's just so happy yeah. to be living Lucas's life. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I'll never forget it. You came back week two of our parent group and you said that it felt like you could breathe again because you had these other parents. Yeah. And I just, it just feels so important for me to really recognize that 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 the weight of knowing that this is where Lucas was and this is what he was dealing with and this is what he was asking you to deal with as his mom was so heavy that it felt like you couldn't really even breathe. And having those other parents to support you and having connections and knowing you weren't alone in this was, God, it was so powerful and important for you. You're absolutely right. I mean, I I mean, I couldn't ask for a better group of friends to support and to talk with during that period. It's just Mackenzie, I just appreciate everything that you did for us because you you allowed me to to see myself and to be vulnerable and to support to support Lucas. And that was a that's a that's a gift that I think that all the parents that were in that that first group realized you gave us such a gift. I'm honored. It's been such an honor to watch you all and to work with you all. And I really, I say it about everybody I work with, I'm really just the person in the background who points at things. You guys are the ones who get to go and do the work. I just sort of get to steward it, scaffold it, and be like, hey, here's this. And it's really up to you whether or not you pick it up and run with it. It's just... My whole job is pointing at things. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Well, you are a fabulous pointer, and I think it's a little bit more than pointing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, let's talk for a second about what it was like for you when Lucas was coming out at school, and you knew that that wasn't such a big deal for him, right? That it was an easier thing. What about the rest of like for you to go into school and to talk about Lucas rather than to talk about this other child, this girl that you had been raising 
and to talk with your child's teachers about Lucas? I think one of the really wonderful things about Lucas was that his friends saw him kind of changing throughout the years. So I don't think that was a surprise to anyone. And he didn't, he didn't make it a, you know, today I am Lucas and everybody recognized me as Lucas. You know, if there was mistakes on his name, he would just correct his friends or his teachers. If there was mistakes on his pronoun, he would just correct. And that's how he kind of went through it and, and evolved into that. But he, I think he, I think he does a wonderful job with that because he's very caring and very, he doesn't get mad when people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my father, his grandfather made a mistake just a couple of weeks ago when we were visiting and called Lucas and his sisters, the girls. Mm. And Lucas just said, you know, grandpa, I'm a, I'm a boy. And my father's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm an old man. I made mistakes and I, I apologize. And the whole family has been wonderful and supportive. I've heard other stories about kiddos coming out as trans. And I must say that my family, I give them a lot of res- respect and credit for um, for changing so quickly as, as Lucas was and supporting him. It's a, a beautiful example of how, even though it maybe isn't something they're super familiar with, they recognize the power of validating him and his experience, right? Yep. Yeah. They really do. And right now, everybody, everybody refers to him as Lucas. Were you nervous to tell them? Even though they turned out to be so supportive and affirming, was there any part of you that was nervous to let them know that this was what was happening? If I can be totally, you know, transparent, I wasn't worried with my mom because, you know, Lucas had confided in her and his sister. And I, my, my sister and his aunt is so close with them. wasn't really nervous about her. I was a little bit more nervous about my brother and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I was worried. I was more worried about like my work colleagues and my friends mm. and more worried about how they, how they would view me as a mother. Yeah. And I remember one time I had a conversation with somebody at my work. I think I said, my son and and she was kind of caught off guard. She said, "I thought you had two girls." And I said, "Well, my son is is transitioning. She's transitioned." She was like, "How old is he?" And I said, "Well, he's 12. And she kind of shocked me with her response. Her response was, "That's awful young for him to make those types of decisions that are going to affect his whole life. Are you sure this is the right the right path, the right mm-hmm. thing to do?" Mm-hmm. Just, it just made me think. But then when I looked at Lucas, you know, when I got home, I'm like, no, this is the right thing. And this is the way. But I think when anybody, whenever anything big like this happens in a family, you always question yourself and, you know, your parenting. And not only you question what has occurred in the past, but you're questioning what's going on in the future. How do I how do I support this this change to the best of my ability? And I think that's where I was. You bring up a really great point about, I think a lot of parents really feel that, oh my God, what are people in my life going to think and say? 
There's the, what are they going to think? There's the, what are they going to say to me? And there's the, what are they going to say behind my back? And all of those are really scary, vulnerable things that as parents that you cope with and deal with on top of what will they think and say, and how will they treat my child, you know, and how will their treatment of my child affect our relationship as well? My office has been very supportive. I've been blessed. And I think, you know, with all of the, all of the very recent demonstrations that have been occurring, and then some of the resulting violence after the demonstrations, it just really kind of brings to light that our kiddos or even even loved ones in the trans community may not be they may people may have a preconceived notion or a stigma because they just they don't know what they don't know so it's very important that we as families of, of transgender youth that we support the community we get involved in the community so our kiddos feel safe and that everybody in the community feels safe absolutely safety is such an important piece especially for this community because they're so at risk for violence. Laura, if you could go back and change one thing about how you handled Lucas's coming out, what do you think you would have done differently, if anything? I think I was a little bit slow to support Lucas fully. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just because I didn't have the knowledge and the understanding about what was going on. So I was very cautious. I remember my first introduction to transgender was at uh, PFLAG. And I went to a meeting. And during the break, one of the members came up and talked to me. And she was asking, you know, why I was there. And I said, well, my um, daughter's identifying as male as a boy. And she goes, oh, so you have a, a trans son. She goes, because I have, I think it was a trans son also, but I identify myself as a cis female. And so my son is F2M. So your son is F2M, but you identify as cis. And Right now, it's like those F to M's and cis, I know what they meant, but at that point in time, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I felt the whole room closing in on me, and I could mm. I could feel my heart beating. I thought everybody could see it beating, mm. and I thought I was going to pass out. And I remember that I just left right then and there, and I walked to my car, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to learn so much more. I need to really, if I want to support my child, I need to learn so much more. And I think, you know, being in your groups really helped me to get there. But I was so scared. And so I didn't know anything. I mean, it's like, you know, when you talk about, you know, what did you know about transgender before Lucas? I knew Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. mean, that was it. And I, and, I, and I knew there was a population of trans individuals, but, you know, when it's like right in your, right 
there and your kiddo and they're looking at you with that face and you just want to, you want to support them and you want to make sure that they're as happy as they can be and that they're living their true self. So if I could do it over, I would, I would think I would try and get on his path, his road faster. So I think that was my, that was my opportunity was I should have been a little bit faster. So I'm going to ask you a hard question now, because even though it took you some time, having witnessed the journey up close with you, I just, maybe it's not even a question. I just want to point out maybe that there was a lot of work that you were doing during that time, you know, emotional and educational and really figuring out how to come alongside Lucas and support Lucas with things that you were incredibly uncomfortable with at certain points. So I don't want you to sell yourself short about the work that was done in that process. You know, obviously I'm a very big fan of Brene Brown um, and I use her work a lot in the group work that I do. And I, she says, you know, very clearly you can't skip the messy middle and that it would be great if you could skip the messy middle, right? But I think that that messy middle for you really created a lot of needed space for you and Lucas to grow together. I I agree with you. It it allowed me to breathe. (laughs) Yeah. That earlier I was breathing again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I keep looking back and, you know, maybe I should have called him he and him use the correct pronouns a little bit earlier and the name, but and then I think you remember, I was so cautious that each month I made a commitment to Lucas. Each month we'll do something to move forward together mm-hmm. and that we're both comfortable with. So, um, you know, I remember one month was his name and letting the family know and, you know, changing his name at school was one of the months. I know blockers was one of the months, but one of the funny, one of the funniest ones was, just going down to Fred Myers and buying him Haynes briefs. He was so excited about that. It's like just to see him so happy to get to get boys underwear and to wear uh-huh. those and to get rid of all the Hello Kitty ones. Mm-hmm. It just made him so happy. I remember. I remember you coming in and telling us that you'd done it and what a big deal it was yeah, for and- him and for you. <laughs> yes, and... I don't know. I don't know if this is if this is too much, but you know, as a parent of a trans kiddo, you're going to be exposed to things that are going to catch you off guard. I don't know how many times I've been caught off guard by Lucas, and I'll tell you, this is you know when I look back on it, when I look at, back on it right now, I'm laughing, but at the time. It really caught me off guard. And it was one of those times that I'm like, I, I need to breathe. I need to process this a little bit. But Lucas was already, like you said, two miles down the road. But he wanted a, it's, when you look at, when you look at the kiddos, they want to so much, they, their bodies are the way they were born, but they want to identify so strongly as to the person they know they are inside, but their bodies 
their bodies give them a little bit of trouble. And, you know, when Lucas was born, you know, he was, you know, I identified him as a girl. He had the, the body of a girl, little baby girl. And, you know, it's like you have, you have aspirations. You know, I think every parent does about, you know, what, what that life could look like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you have daughters, you know, it's like you think about their, like their prop dresses and you think about their wedding. Mm-hmm. And of course you think about grandchildren. There's, there's different, there's different aspirations now. And I'll tell you, it's like, am I missing anything because I didn't get to see him buy a prom dress? Not at all. Not at all. Just different. And he's so excited about it. Yeah. It's like, I feel like that's the goal when we talk about loving the child you have instead of the child that you daydreamed about. Yep. You're not missing out on these experiences with, you're not missing out on on anything. You're just having different experiences. Right. And they're beautiful and wonderful and still full of love and connection. Yep. You know, it's, it's a lot easier for them to, to be in a body that identifies with who they want to be. And I think that's, you know, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that Lucas has integrated so well in with his, with his classmates and his friends, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's like, when you look at that kid, he's a, he's a boy. (laughs) Oh yeah. When you think about it, I remember before, before Lucas came out, he had gotten his hair cut shorter, not short like it is now, but shorter. And he was wearing boys' clothes and or masculine clothes. And I tell you, there was a couple times where he would just come walking down the hall and I would almost say him or he. And this is before mm-hmm. he came out because he mm-hmm. he really looks he looks like a boy. Yeah. He is a boy. He is a boy. He's and he's always been a boy. Yep. And I tell you, it's like, well, I probably I don't know if I should say this isn't this one you may want to try to remove, but I tell you, not only is <laughs> is it's how he looks, oh my gosh, it's the whole thought process. He is definitely <laughs> male. Can't he's tell got boy you. Brain. He's got boy brain. I tell you, I can't tell you how clear that's coming out. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all to hear that because uh, I have definitely experienced that on on my end of my conversations with Lucas for a while now. <laughs> so, Laura, what would you say you think you've learned the most about yourself through this process of of parenting a trans kiddo? About myself, well, I I tell you when when I first found out it was it was definitely a shock. And, you know, it's like, like we said, I had trouble breathing, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think I could not have done this without you and the supportive parents in our group, but I think I'm a lot stronger than I thought I could be. Mm -hmm. And just aware of my vulnerability and how that plays into my strengths, um, so I, I just really think that, that I just learned a lot about myself. I just learned that I'm stronger and that moving forward, I can handle this. And I think that 
I think when I look at Lucas now, I'm, I don't want to say I'm happier, but it just, he just has such an ease about him now that I'm happy because I know this was the, the right choice, the best choice, the only choice for Lucas. So I'm happy when I look at him and, and see him. Yeah. And is there any, any final thoughts, anything that you really think, gosh, if I'm going to share with parents one thing, parents who've got a kiddo like mine, what message would you want to give them? Oh my gosh, this is a hard one. Mm-hmm. I think, I think foremost, you want to make sure that your kiddo is happy and living their best life, the life that they identify with. And I know that sometimes it, it may be a difficult path and maybe a difficult road, but every time you see them smile, you know, when you, when you cut their hair short or let their hair grow long or buy them the clothes that they really want, it just warms your heart. And this is, this is your child. And they, they loved you enough to tell you so that you could support mm. them. I always think of, um, cause we talk a lot about paths and roads. Mm-hmm. I'm just so fortunate to be on this path with Lucas because it's a path I would not have envisioned taking five or six years ago. And this path is so, so rewarding. I've met so many wonderful people. I've met a whole community that I did not really understand and know that was out there. I've just had so many great experiences with, with the support and the people I've met and with the, the changes that I'm seeing in Lucas. And, you know, you think about, you think about the, the Robert Frost poem, the road not taken. And this is the road that has made all the difference for me. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and sharing what it's like to be the mama of a really awesome kiddo. You've got such a great kiddo in Lucas. Yeah, he is a special guy. If you take anything from Laura's story, I hope it's that the power of connecting with other parents will change your life. You do not have to do this alone. In fact, you were not meant to. To answer a couple of the many questions I anticipated would come up after hearing Laura's story, we turn once again to Dr. Linda Hawkins. Linda is the director of the Affirmative Therapy for Transgender Communities Training Program at Widener University and the director of the Gender and Sexuality Development Program at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She has more than 20 years of experience as a clinician. Plus, any chance for me to spend time with her, I'm going to take advantage. So I have a question. So I'm confused. So I have a question. But what about? So I got a question. So why is it that some kids come out when they're little, early, early elementary or before? And why do some kids come out when they're tweens and teens? My my go-to response for that is because it's, Kids will speak to their needs when they realize that it's a need. And so for some little people, like the five-year-old Janie, who's like, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. 
Mm-hmm. Janie has those words. Janie has that level of understanding. And nine times out of 10, when Janie first said that to a parent or a caregiver, Janie wasn't shot down. So for our, our kiddos who are coming out very young, they tend to come out and, and say things like that to parents who say, all right, let's try mm-hmm. Joey today. Or, okay, you can like blue. Here's a ball. And again, going back to agendizing, you can't make a Janie be a Joey. So right. saying, sure, let's try this out is, is not a big deal. And also, I've, I hear from kiddos who are coming out in their, in, in their tweens or their teens or even later that they very keenly didn't understand their thoughts and feelings, or in some cases, it wasn't a priority. There are a lot of Janies that are completely content being perceived as tomboys. Yeah. And our society can wrap around that and support that. So it's not until breast budding and conversations about menstruation that that Janie starts to have the need to say something and the need to be heard where it's like, wait a second, tomboy was cool. This breast development is not cool. Okay, we need to have a conversation. Yeah. And then I often will ask young people, like, at what point did you understand that transness was a thing? <laughs> and, and honestly, even in the places, quote unquote, progressive as, as Philadelphia, I meet kids who, who are growing up 10 blocks from my clinic who say, I didn't even know the word trans until I was a sophomore in high school. So for a kid assigned male at birth, who maybe had been just very feminine and perceived to be gay and was like, yeah. oh, yeah, it was totally fine. You know, I'm in the ballroom scene. I get to, like, dress in drag, and everybody thinks I'm really fabulous. And then I learned that people can feel this way all the time, and I feel this way all the time. I just didn't know there was a word for it, and I didn't know there was ever anything I could do about it. I get that as well with my older kiddos that are like, I didn't know this was a thing. This, when I found out this was the thing, it was like the greatest day. Yeah. Everything just sort of like clicked and made sense. And I was like, oh my God, there's a word to describe this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And in my, in my dissertation research on identity development among uh, transgender adolescents, everybody had a point in their gender development where they gained language. And that was a pivotal point of understanding, which for a lot of parents can be like confusing because, you know, kids percolating along as a tomboy and then all of a sudden meets a trans kid and boom, they're trans. Right. And I'm always like, yeah, you know, so again, kind of let's see what happens in six months or let's see what happens in, you know, were there other indicators along the way and or maybe this is just a trying on and or this could be very well trans and this could make a lot of sense. I liken it to that, you know, a kid doesn't know that they like soccer or are really good at soccer until they actually play soccer. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there are other times in life where we do awaken and allow the identities and characteristics and qualities of a person to, to grow and to shine. But when it comes to transness, it's suddenly a block. Mm-hmm. It's okay if friends are influencing around sports or art or theater or all sorts of things, music, but not about gender. So I, I usually put that on the table as just something like, hmm, let's think about that. 
and then really encourage the conversations to keep happening so that young people can help their parents see how this might have been in their in their identity all along. It was just for our tomboys, those weren't really tomboy activities. Those were more male perceived activities. For our perceivedly feminine gay boys, those were mm-hmm. or trans girls. That that drag wasn't drag. That was actually real life. And also, I see for for some of our neuroexpansive kids, young people who have autism or ASD, a lot for our assigned male at birth kiddos, where things that were more feminine, more sparkly, more um, even wearing nightgowns and dresses, it was interpreted through the lens of autism, that it was a tactile thing, that it was (laughs) he, in air quotes, never wanted his hair cut and kept it long because of the sound of cutting hair. It was a tactile thing. And the kiddo at 17 is like, I've always been a girl. What? what, what, Why are people questioning me now that I'm ready to talk about it? I've worn a nightgown to sleep in since I was two. And I wear ballerina shoes because I'm a girl and I have long hair. How come people won't use she and her now that I'm letting them know that this is who I am? All right. Second day of camp. Killing it. I know you have so much going on and I deeply appreciate you spending time with us here at Camp Wildheart. We're building a community that will grow with each episode and you're a part of that. And I'm so glad you are. You don't have to wait until the next episode to connect with us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Wild Heart Society. And if you're looking to find a qualified, affirming clinician to support your family, check out wildheartsociety.org. Thanks again to Laura for sharing her story and Linda for sharing her expertise. To learn more about the amazing work that Linda is doing, or if you're a clinician interested in learning more about how to do this work well, please check out the Affirmative Therapy for Transgender Communities training program at Widener. This program is run in a cohort model, which builds community among other clinicians doing this work. It also provides ongoing supervision and support for therapists invested in providing the highest quality care for their transgender clients. This coming cohort will likely be online, as is everything else in our lives, and I've personally found it to be invaluable, and I wish I could have attended it when I first started doing this work. You can learn more at www.widener.edu slash academics slash graduate dash studies slash affirmative dash therapy dash transgender dash communities. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us for Campfire. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us and we want to make sure that they know there's a bunk at Camp Wildheart with their name on it.